Great intro. I love it. Evolutionary.org. This is episode 531. Podcast coming your way. So we have a little bro science steroid myth, um, you know, coming, coming your way here. Uh, we have several that we're going to do. We could do probably 20 of these. Um, these are always fun. We'll have some fun with this one. So we're going to talk about some of these myths that you'll hear in the gym. You'll hear on forums. You'll hear from other guys. And, um, you know, look, we're going to dispel these myths with some some rock hard science as we always do, mobsters. So the first one, let's get right into it. You need to inject Sustanon every other day. So this is one. If you go on social media into and, and, and go on and talk, you know, where they're talking about Sustanon to a thread and you tell people you don't have to inject Sustanon every day, you'll have about 20 people attack you about how you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. So let me pull up. What it says, this is the actual British medical pharmaceutical uh, company that produces Sustanon. And this is what they say. They say the dosage of one injection of one milliliter of Sustanon is every three weeks. Not every other day, but every three weeks. Now, why is that? What, what causes this bro science? Because these things are derived from something, right? So here's here's why. Because sustenon, it's four esters. It's testosterone propionate, phenylpropionate, isocapriate, and decanoate. So the, the deca ester is 15, 16-day half-life. The isocapriate is, a, is an intermediate to long ester. Phenylpropionate is an intermediate ester. And the propionate is a short ester, right? So they'll see the, that it contains propanate. So they'll think in their minds, yeah, I got to inject propanate every other day or I'm not, or it's going to be unbalanced or whatever. In actuality, the way sustenon was designed is you've got those esters and they kind of kick in at different times. So you would make one injection infrequently and one ester picks up after another. So long story short, if you want to balance things when you're using Sustanon, the correct way to inject it is infrequently at a higher dose. It's not frequently at tiny dosages. That's the way. That's what the pharmaceutical company is telling you to do. That's what TRT doctors in Britain are telling you to do. Americans, we don't prescribe in America. Doctors don't prescribe Sustanon. They do in Europe. So Americans are really confused on how to dose it. And they think, yeah, I got to treat it like propanate. It's not propanate. It's a small amount of propanate, 30 milligrams out of 250. So why are you treating it like propanate? Bro science, bullshit. Anyone who says you need to inject it every <laughs> other day, it is wrong. <laughs> I'll jump in here, Steve. Uh, right, guys, I've said this on podcasts and I've said this online. Look at the medical reason why drug x or drug y was created why was sustenon created if for infrequent injections why was cyprinate created for the same reason because he didn't want to have to give you the, the first or second steroid that was created that required you to have daily or almost daily injections because they the, the person the patient was ill and the daily injections were a pain in the fucking butt literally a pain in the butt so they designed these longer acting products that required less injecting and yet here we are kind of saying no no we should be more injected listen guys 
uh, I, I've used Sustan and I've said it's one of my favorite drugs and I was injecting it every four days. So that amounted to Monday and Thursday or Monday and Friday. So some weeks it was twice and some weeks it was a little bit less than twice. But ultimately, that's because I was using it for performance enhancement and not medical reasons. However, zero need, and I mean zero need, for the, work, the tiny part that Steve said already, that is a short-acting ester. That's the whole point of it being four different esters. It's the whole point, literally the whole point that it was created in that particular way. They wanted a short-acting ester to get in there and start doing his medical magic straight away. That's why it's a short-acting ester. And the medium and the long-acting esters were there to back up. Once the, 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 the short-acting ester was starting to clear, because it's a real short half-life, the other stuff was there to back it up. Literally, medical reasons is you need to look at. If, if a product was created for anemia, you need to look at if it was made for tissue recovery. You need to look at if it was enhanced nitrogen retention or, 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 or repairing, if it was treatment for a burn, it was treatment for HIV. You need to look at why the drug was either A, created, or B, how it's used medically to get an indication, a proper indication of how it's going to work for you. Now, again, it says there is a difference between medical use and performance enhancement use, but it's not the logic fails. And this occasionally happens, guys. What we, is what we want, which is desire versus logic or reason. And so what are people looking at when they talk about every day or every other day? That's, I want to get bigger quicker. That's the desire. But it, again, it doesn't make sense. I use this again when I talk about kickstarts and finishes, Steve. But the reason why some people use a kickstart is because you're on a long acting ester. So I say use a short acting ester then. Or accept the fact that you're not going to grow in the first, I don't know, week. But you will grow for the rest of the cycle. And I've asked again and again and again, guys, show me the evidence that you're using a kickstarter, added pounds of muscle or an inch or kilos and pounds to the bar at the end of the cycle when no one throws it up. So it's literally coming down to I chose a long acting ester, and therefore I want something shorter acting at the beginning. Or uh, I'm using uh, shorter esters, so I want something that's a little bit at the end to help me finish off. Unless you're a competing bodybuilder, forget it. And again, even competing bodybuilders will not use something which is essentially medium to long acting really more frequently just because. It makes no sense. That's why they have drug and diet gurus to advise them on these things. They don't even have to think about it. But we do think about it. And again, medically, it was created for less frequent injections. Let's talk about, I mean, Steve's actually reminded me about this one, Steve. And he's, he's covered it on the forums. Trend and EQ are vet steroids. Steve, I'll let yeah. you kick in on this one. So this is another bullshit. one that, that drives a lot of people crazy who actually know about anabolic steroids. I mean, how people say that, yeah, these are... Um, Trenbolone and Equipoise are vet steroids. So today they are used, uh, EQ is used in veterinary medicine, mainly in horses and, uh, you know, racehorses, for example. And then Tren is used in the cattle industry. So that is true that today they are used as vet steroids, but yes. they were never a vet steroid originally. Stop saying it and stop lying <laughs> to push your agenda. It says right here, equipoise was used in humans, medical use in the 1960s for 20 
five years it was used for muscle wasting, anemia, the other stuff. It was a mild uh, anabolic steroid that they liked to prescribe to people for those purposes. Trend, parabolin was marketed in France for medical use in humans. 1980 to 1997, 20 years it was marketed in France for medical use in humans. Not a vet steroid. Originally, it was used for that reason. And ironically, 1983, 1984, that's when bodybuilders started blowing up. So obviously, they got their hands on this stuff in the 80s. And this kind of like transformed bodybuilding. But if anything, you know, these are anabolic steroids. All anabolic steroids are the same thing. They came from being used in medicine and then in the fitness world. We've hijacked them, jacked up the dosage and used them to benefit us in bodybuilding or other types of fitness. So that's how it works um, with all these anabolic steroids. They all have a medical background. They all were designed for that purposes, unless they were developed. Now, there are some anabolic steroids that were developed specifically for PED usage, and Trembolone was one of them. Negma actually was um, promoting um, Parabolin for bodybuilding purposes as well. So they volunteer, voluntarily discontinued it. This was around the time in the United States and in Europe, they started cracking down on anabolic steroid use and they didn't want their product being ripped off for this time type of purpose anymore. You're getting, you know, you don't want to piss off, a, you know, the government, the people that make laws. So obviously they have to pull it. But again, it was not a vet steroid just because something is used in veterinary medicine today doesn't make it a vet steroid. It's not like they were using it in horses for 20 years and then humans decided to use it. Um, that's that's just not the case. So Mobster touched on this one and then we'll move on to the third one. I can think of a couple of things here, Steve. I mean, uh, as an as example, I'm talking about actual veterinary steroids. One of the reasons is because of the price and uh, prices of steroids, even back in the 80s and 90s, starting to creep up from, from sensible to kind of expensive. And the fact that Arguably, the, the, the prices now are relatively cheap compared to what they were just a few years ago uh, because uh, availability is a lot better. But as an example, you can buy 100 mil. In fact, I think of you can buy one litre bottles used in the veterinary industry, cattle specific, pork specific, pig specific, should I say. Uh, and I believe Australians were doing this for a while. And, but the problem was that the dosage, the actual amount per milliliter was tiny. But that's because they're using multiple needles to use, to inject a herd of cattle. So it was the guys were able to go to veterinary suppliers and say, "Oh, I'm a farmer and I've got 50, 50 head of cattle. Uh, I need trend. I need EQ or whatever." And they were getting it, and it was so much cheaper than buying it from the steroid dealer or from Mexico and wherever else. But again, the quality, the control. If the sterility is not as good as, as it should be in pharmaceutical products. The price was better, but the dosage per meal was less, and so on. So you've got that. And that's just that's the reason why veterinary steroids were become attractive. Uh, another thing that Steve's just touched on when he mentioned parabolin instead of trend. 
I've got uh, it's steroid encyclopedias here. I've got a, a couple of books that are specific to the steroid patents. Uh, and Bill Llewellyn talks about encyclopedia and, and multiple products, and there's so much in this. They don't even ask me to begin to pronounce them. But he, he, he talks about the trade names, the, the names, generic names, the companies, uh, UGLs that have a product where they tweak the name a little bit and quite often sleeve the chemical name. So what we think of as EQ or what we think of as Trin, well, well multiple, a Trin is a good example with this Parabolin, has a chemical name, a trade name, and then a product name from different pharmaceutical companies versus just saying Trin or just saying EQ. So the confusion reigns when that particular example, when we are messing the names up and forgetting that it used to exist with a different name, but it's exactly the same chemical product. So there you go, guys. Steve, has, he's, he said it. I've been reminded Trend and EQ were not, did not start and were not created as veterinary stories. They became vet stories, and then we took them back again, so to speak, and reuse them. In fact, in reality, it was we were using them a whole goddamn time, but for different reasons. But they had started out as for human use and then went to vet use. Right. I'll 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 talk, I will talk about this next one. You need testosterone always as a base. No, you don't. It's cobblers. I've 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 all I can only think of maybe one cycle I've ever run, Steve. And in fact, I said I didn't benefit that much from it. Which had testosterone in amphate, should I say properly, uh, was my buddies were raving over it and I got nothing from it. And that would arguably be the base of that particular cycle. Did not work for me at all. And in fact, as we're going to talk about in the next topic, I very rarely do injectables. So therefore, I'm very rarely using testosterone. And yet I've won competitions. I am the size and the strength that I am. And again, I'll touch on this in the next topic. Steve, do we need testosterone always as a base? No. What do you think? So, you know, the argument I get on this one that a lot of people push this on forums and I get it. I get their concept. They'll say things like testosterone is naturally found in the body. Synthetic testosterone is created in a lab. Okay. It's not naturally in the body. We have our testosterone that our body produces, but that's not synthetic testosterone. So you're synthetically taking testosterone and you're turning it when you're taking a hormone and you're turning it into an anabolic steroid. So any anabolic steroid out there is derived from a male hormone in the first place. So, you know, we got to remember that that argument that all, you know, we make testosterone naturally in the body. It's, it's good for us. I hear that a lot. We produce a certain amount of testosterone, first of all. So when you take testosterone that's in a vial, that's synthetically made in a lab, and you inject five times that amount into your body, no, it's not good for you. It's going to jack up your blood pressure. It's going to cause a lot of water retention. It's going to cause androgenic, estrogenic side effects, lipid, lipid strain, all this other stuff, right? It's going to convert to dihydrotestosterone in the body. I can, I can keep going. So that argument that people make is bullshit. The other argument I hear is that you're not going to feel good when you're not running testosterone cycle. Well, if you run testosterone on cycle along with other steroids, you're adding more steroids, you're adding more estrogen, you're adding more androgens to your cycle. So you're going to feel, if you react well to more estrogen and react well to more androgens, you will feel better adding testosterone to your cycle. But that doesn't necessarily mean that 
everybody's going to feel that way. In Mobster's case, he ran testosterone and he didn't have as good of a cycle. So for him, it actually backfired. Yeah. So just because you feel better running testosterone on a cycle doesn't mean Mobster will feel better or I will feel better. Or other people feel better. So I'm like Mobster. I like to keep my cycle clean. So for me, most of my cycles, I don't use testosterone as a base. If I'm using equipoise, for example, I want to use equipoise. I don't want the interference of adding another steroid like testosterone in there that's going to add water retention, that's going to add more androgenic side effects, that's going to strain my lipids more, that's going to raise my blood pressure, it's going to cause insomnia and extra side effects that I don't need in my cycle. So why would I add testosterone? Again, if you like to use testosterone in a cycle and you feel good on it and you like the way it makes you feel, yeah. fine, run it. But to say that someone else has to run it on your cycle, there's no basis for it. There's no factual evidence to prove that you need testosterone on a cycle. I just, I just explained that it's made in a lab. Adding more testosterone to your cycle, you're adding a synthetic hormone to your body. It's not your body the actual testosterone being produced here. It's something that was made in a lab. So that argument that I hear, that's the number one argument I hear from people who say run tests in, in a, as your base. It's just not true in the first place. You're still running a synthetic steroid a, and a synthetic uh, hormone that was produced in a lab. So that argument doesn't, doesn't hold water with me. So you can come on and comment in this. I would love to hear your comments. If those of you who think you need testosterone as your base, comment in the in, in down below and come up with something better and i would love you know we would love to to talk about it we'll love come on the forum and we'll debate it we'll, we'll definitely do it yeah i'll jump in here again steve one more point and then we'll talk about the next topic so uh i'm thinking of the whole balco debacle back in the day uh, where they were enhancing athletes to uh not only be better at the athletic sports that they were involved in but also to get through the test without getting caught and they weren't all on testosterone as a base. You could see what they got caught for. You could see what they that they failed the test for. You could see what products were supposedly getting through the test. And again, Steve's just covered it. All steroids are testosterone-based anyway, so there's that argument. You can talk about the athletes and what they were able to do, and the raw records that they got before they got caught. And they weren't all using testosterone. And of course, what we're talking about here, guys, is essentially uh, either aesthetic enhancement or performance enhancement. And if if I get stronger without using testosterone, and someone else thinks it's, as I said, my buddies were raving about it, that the, the test enhancement that they were using was their base for them, and they all got stronger on it. But I didn't. And it was as simple as that. So if it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, great. It doesn't matter. It does. It's not a specific requirement. It might be for you, but it's not for everybody. Right. Yeah. And real quick, too, I have to add one more thing. This is another one I hear from from bro scientists. I hear that if you don't run testosterone as your base, you'll get shut down. Well, guess what? Testosterone <laughs> shuts you down. <laughs> Any exogenous hormones. I don't care if it's testosterone, if it's yes. mint, if it's trend, if it's animal, it will shut you down. Yes. So you're not going to prevent shutdown from it. So again, that's bullshit. And again, these bro scientists, all you got to do is run blood work. In the 80s and 90s, we didn't have access to blood work the way that we did today. So you could say stuff like that 
and get away with it. Today we have blood work. All right. We have the real science. We're not going to do that on this podcast, guys. We're not going to tell you bro science as facts. It's not going to work. It's not going to fly. So don't bullshit me and come in and make a comment below and say, oh, Steve, you're wrong. Because if you don't run testosterone in the cycle, you'll get shut down because you're full of shit and you know it. Run blood work <laughs> and tell me you don't get shut down. People on TRT are running testosterone every week for the rest of their life. Are they shut down? Yes, they're shut down. Yes. So that, yes. that argument is bullshit. You get shut down no matter what you run, any exogenous hormone. One more, one more point on that because the next couple of topics we can do quite quickly. So, guys, I have or had – I need to see if I can get them again. When I first started to, to use or think about using performance enhancing drugs, I brought two books. And a comment that I've made when I referenced both of those books was that the things that they disagreed on were opinion and the things that they agreed on were closer to being fact. In other words, everybody had an opinion on how to run a cycle back in the day. You could find stuff online. You could find stuff in forums. You could find gurus with these seven magazines, and I went out my way and read the magazines and brought the books. But why is it that one guru saying this thing and the other guru saying something else? Because it's based on either their personal experience or what they think versus what they agreed on, which was closer to being the truth, closer to being factual, closer to being what they actually knew. And, of course, again, you can reference these kind of topics with doctors and medical science versus us using this stuff as athletes and for performance enhancement. Quite simply, I agree with Steve. You're gonna get you're using steroids in any kind of form, you're gonna get shut down. It might be a question of degrees, but you're getting shut down. So the next topic, guys, you can't run oral only cycles. I'm gonna accuse Steve here again. It's bullshit. Loads of my cycles have been oral only cycles. Now I know on our forums. And I'll mention it because he's a lovely guy. Dylan is not, Dylan Gamelli is not a fan of oral only cycles or just oral cycles full stop. But Dylan has his own personal specific reasons for that. And of course, it comes down to his experience, the build, how he wants to look. I've used multiple oral only cycles, multiple. I'm not a big fan of injecting. I've done it. I can get people to do it. I've mentioned it just now at the beginning of this podcast. But... I've done a load of oral only cycles, and I have, before I started using PEDs, world-class feats of strength and world records, and I've still got world records now since I use PEDs. I might get world records in the future, goddammit. Again, as per something else we talked about, I weigh today 321 pounds. My arms are nearly 20 inches. I'm six foot three. Blah, 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 blah. It's not all about me, guys, but again, this is using oral only cycles. One of my favorite cycles to do is Anavar, oral only. Steve, it's such bullshit. Of course you can. Now, the difference between you is orals all the time and the potential risk for issues with your liver and kidneys because of the first pass through the blah, 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 it's not good. And there's a slightly lesser risk in that particular way. It's not completely negated, guys. That's bullshit as well using injectables so it's not an ideal situation but we can get into how i negate that at some point in the future but quite simply it's uh, to use a crude british word bollocks of course you can in fact arguably steve and i'll let you jump in here 
the great and vast majority of PED users, especially back in the days, very first cycle was Dianabol. In other words, an oral-only cycle. So, in other words, historically, the great and vast majority of PED users have run oral-only cycles. It was their first cycle, their best cycle. What do you think, Steve? Well, there's you can inject Dianabol. So now does that make it okay? Can I do injectable Dianabol for a cycle, but I can't do oral Dianabol? Winstrol, same thing. You, there's tablets, there's injectable Winstrol. Does it mean I can do injectable Winstrol by itself? And that's okay, but I can't do oral Winstrol? You see, so I think that's the basis of it. Here's the thing, though. This bro science has some legitimacy to it. Because even though I know people who have been doing just oral-only steroids, for 20 years, 25 years, and in being able to get away with it and be successful, I would say over the long term, you don't want to be taking pills every day, you know, for eight weeks, then cycling off and taking pills for eight weeks, you know, every day and cycling. Over time, injectables makes more sense. You can do injectables once or twice a week. It's a hell of a lot more quick. And, and you're not going to forget to take them every day. You're not going to, yeah. you know, lose your schedule. So I get it. This kind of has... I think long term, if you want to, you know, cycle steroids, it makes more sense to use the bulk of it being injectables. I get that part. But, you know, at the same time, you know, oral only steroids, we go back to the topic before, you know, oral only steroids will shut you down. That's the number one argument I hear why not to use oral steroids. But you got to remember, any exogenous hormone will shut you down. Doesn't matter. You could run an Anovar for eight weeks and run testosterone with it. You're going to get shut down whether you run a test with it or or you don't. So again, it goes back to you know the logic. And then the first point I made is something that I'll, I'll bring up to people on forums when they say you shouldn't run oral only steroids. I say, well, is it okay if I run Dianabol, injectable Dianabol? It's in, they there's sources that make injectable Dianabol. There's sources that make injectable uh, Winstrol. So that's okay, but I can't do a tablet of Winstrol. What's the difference? It's going to hit the liver the same way. And then same thing with testosterone. I can flip the argument. There's injectable testosterone. 99.9% of the time, people are going to use injectable uh, testosterone. But you know what? There's also something called Andriol, which is testosterone in a pill. It's It can be used as well. So that it's prescribed by doctors for testosterone replacement therapy. Why are doctors prescribing a pill, an oral only for TRT, for long-term TRT, if you can't do it. Doesn't make any sense. But I get the concept behind it because if you want to run big cycles in the future, you're going yeah. to have to run injectables. If you want to run two grams of steroids, you're going to have to run injectables. You can't just yeah. get away with just running orals. So I get that part. But again, this is bro science. Just to straight up and say you can't run oral only steroids. It's just not true. So mobster, finish that point and we'll do the last one. Yeah, I mean, just an example here, guys. And again, I've referenced the fact that I've got a steroids encyclopedias here. There are injectable cycles which are methylated. There are injectable steroids which are methylated. And so the issue with an oral steroid, the methylation, in other words, what makes it get past the first pass of the liver so you get maximum absorption through the body, it still applies to some injectable steroids. It's as simple as that. So the risk factor, the idea that you use, for example, four, six, or eight weeks of an oral steroid and your uh, uh, issues are with your liver and kidneys can still apply to some injectable steroids if they've been methylated, whether they are 
Diana Bow or EQ or Winstroller, sorry, Diana Bow Winstroller, Steve said, or other steroids that have had that methylation, that, that action applied to them in the lab to allow them to be absorbed in the body, they're still going to cause that issue. And of course, it's, it's a question of degrees. For example, Steve, I, I've never run on oral cycle for 16 weeks. And I do agree in this particular case with Dylan that ideally, and in fact, my last two oral cycles have been four to six weeks and not eight weeks. And again, that's because I've done multiple oral cycles because I might do more than one cycle in a year, very rarely. And I'm trying to ne negate or mitigate the risk factors therein. And then, of course, I do things like using organ protectors and staying off diet and up in my uh, water intake during the time I'm on steroid and so on and so forth to try and negate as best as possible the side effects, not abusing alcohol and so on and so forth. So there's a bunch of things you can do. But the simple fact of the matter is you can run all-only cycles. The last one for us, Steve, today is, and we will have another two more episodes at this, if not more, <coughs> you need two times your body weight in grams in protein on cycle. Let's give you an example, Stephen. I'll start this one off because you and I talked about this in a pre-show. And I mentioned it already, guys. I've trained this morning. I weighed on the scales, dressed, 321 pounds. Let's imagine for you perverts out there that I was naked and I was like, no, 312, 314 pounds. Does that mean if I'm on cycle that I have to run 628 grams of protein? Does it fuck? Absolutely not. The truth of the matter is, guys, and I'll let Steve jump in on this as well, I don't even use the amount of protein that some of the guys that are running logs on the forum right now, these two of these guys are competing, two of our members are competing on stage. I think one's 40 plus, one's 50 plus, they're or thereabouts. These are not giants. Both of these guys are around 170, 180 to 200 pounds, I think. And I believe one for sure, because I looked at the log this morning, is using around 300 grams of protein a day. I don't. I weigh 321 pounds, dressed on the scales this morning with my shoes on, and I'm probably using, Steve, 120, 125, 130. Now, when I'm not in a gym and I am getting the steps, the rest of my day is relatively stress-free. And I'm working on the forums, I'm doing these podcasts, etc. But some of my day is, you know, 6,000 steps and some of my days in the gym. That's four days a week. I'd get my steps every single day. And I might I might occasionally have a – I'd put this on my Facebook page, Steve. I go and have a, 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 an 18-ounce mixed grill or have a tomahawk steak. I'm definitely getting a lot more than 200 grams on occasion. But the average for me – is around 120, maybe 140 grams a day. So do I need to double up the 280 grams on cycle? No. I mean, let's just use straightforward, simple maths. And Mike Mensah's actually covered this back in the day. There is science about what the survival levels, and then there's science uh, from statistics that talks about the amount of protein in the American and the British diet, as an example again. And then there's obviously what we want as athletes. Do we need more than the man in the street if we go to the gym and hit the weights hard and we want to grow? Yes. Do we need twice the amount? Absolutely not. There's nothing, no science whatsoever to support that. There are stories, and I'll use this analogy because we and Steve talked about this in the pre-show. Uh, I believe Jay Cutler was talking about his diet back in the day when he was winning Mr. Olympias, and I believe at one point he hit 500 grams a day. Now, guys, that's 2,000 calories just on protein. 
And at one point, he experimented with going higher. I think he was doing 400 was good, 500 was better, but 600 was not. In other words, adding another 20, 25% did not improve him. It didn't make his physique better. And again, another 100 grams is another 400 calories. And that's over and above what he needed. So the reality of the situation is, and let's just assume as a base number that you weighed, I don't know, 170 pounds, and you were getting to stay as you are, 100 grams of protein and suitable ratios of fats and carbohydrates and other bits and pieces, macronutrients, to grow from your 170 pounds to 180 pounds does not require you to double up from 100 grams of protein to 200 grams of protein. It does not. In fact, arguably, Steve, it's just quick looking at the numbers. You just work out what you think you're going to weigh at the end of the cycle, and you add in sufficient protein to support the new tissue, and it isn't twice as much as it was before. I'll let you jump in very quickly, Steve, and then we'll finish up. Yeah, so bottom line, it's just pro science. There's no need, there's no reason why off cycle you can, you know, take this much amount of protein and an on cycle, oh, I've got to double my amount of protein. It's just not true. People overrate protein a lot. It goes back to the marketing, supplement marketing. They're trying to push protein powders. They're trying to push liver supplements and all this other shit. And it's bullshit. These guys just they're stick their ass with a bunch of steroids. And, um, you know, they, they don't take these supplements that they're pushing. So it goes back to just marketing. It's just magazine marketing from the eighties and telling people you need all this protein. The science says you only need 0.6 to 0.7 grams of protein per weight in, in pounds. So if you're 200 pounds, you only need 120 uh, grams of protein a day on average. That's it. You don't need to take, if you're 200 pounds, you don't need 400 grams of protein. So that's a bunch of bullshit. Don't believe it. It's just not true. So, Mobster, take us in this game. Great show. As always, please note, we are not doctors, and the opinions on these shows are ours. It's our view and is based on our experience and views on the topic. Our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.